Live from the Great White North, this is the Canadian Investor, where you take control of your own portfolio and gain the confidence you need to succeed in the markets. Hosted by Braden Dennis and Simon Belanger. The Canadian Investor Pod today is November 12th, 2020. And we have a good show for you today. We're going to start off with a little bit of news, and then we're going to talk about the most requested Canadian stock potentially in the history of this podcast, which is Well Health. Everyone wants to know about this name, especially because Simon and I have talked about telemedicine quite a bit this year. So what's going on, Simon? Uh, it's going well. Uh, yeah, we have, I think, quite a bit to talk about today from news to Well Health technology. So excited to discuss that and compare it to Teladoc as well. Uh, but I guess we'll get started with some of the news uh, that came out and more specifically uh, the Pfizer news that uh, they had a vaccine that was 90% affected uh, with their late stage trials. Yeah, in 90 over 90%. I think it was over and they're conservatively saying 90. Uh, but that, that was the headline that really moved the market a couple days ago. Yeah, definitely. So, what do you make of that? Do you think it was overdone, or uh, what's your what's your take on that? I think we were texting back and forth, and we we called it a little overdone. I tend to agree with that. Um, what you really saw was rotation from tech to some beat up stocks. Air Canada was up twenty five percent on the news um, that same day. The Pfizer CEO sold sixty sixty two percent of his shares, which I mean, he had to announce that late in August to comply with the SEC, so it's not insider. But uh, when there's smoke, there's fire. And the fact that he offloaded 62% of his shares on the release of vaccine news, it seems a little fishy to me. But, uh, I mean, it's all legal. So I'm curious, what did you think about the this Pfizer CEO dumping all his shares like that. Yeah, I mean, it was a uh, pre, pre-planned pre sale. So, I mean, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that it was kind of, a, you know, good timing, I guess, uh, for the sale with the vaccine news coming out. At the same time, he probably had a good idea, um, at the very least, that there would be some good news coming. There might have been some early signs that the trials were going well. And uh, he knew that sometime in November, maybe, that there, there'd be some news so I'll I'll give the benefit of the doubt to the CEO but I know if there's something fishy that's the kind of stuff the SEC usually looks after so we'll see yeah and the biggest thing was tech stocks way down um, let's not kid ourselves they've had an incredible incredible year um, and everything that's been beat up was you know red hot and I just laughed at this because, you know, since there's a vaccine coming out, does not mean that people are going to stop using the internet. You know, these uh, these changes in the way consumers buy things, the direct-to-consumer, the, the war on cash, these secular trends are here to stay. And the acceleration of an inevitable trend towards the digitization of our world is here to stay. I mean, it's it's that's not a hot take. That's just really, really well known. So it, we saw Shopify's revenue nearly double on comp revenue basis for, for Q3. 767 mil uh, revenue for Shopify and 
they had a U.S. dollar earnings per share of $1.13, which is double estimates. Yet the stock is down 15% from its October highs because of what we're seeing, this rotation out of tech. Um, and you and I were talking back and forth. It seems like Shopify, I personally like it here more than ever. Uh, the stock's expensive. I missed out on its meteoric rise as I couldn't understand the, the valuation. But this monster quarter, this huge tailwind from e-commerce and when there's an inverse relationship between real financial results and stock price that's when the opportunity comes so the stock's 110 billion in market cap uh let's not confuse ourselves it's 45 times sales today even after this pullback but if you're gonna own shopify and you want to pay up for it it seems like now is the time to do it um, yeah, I mean, definitely Shopify has been one of the, the best stocks uh, this year. Um, <clears throat> to go back, though, to what you were saying in terms of the vaccine news, I, I found it a bit funny with uh, the stock market reacting the way it did on that. I can't remember what day it was. Was it Monday that it, that it came out? It was this Monday, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was It was Monday, and then we saw you know, three straight days of pretty nice gains. Well, I, I, they they extended from last week's election results was you know we had a lot of consecutive sessions of big gains on the S&P yeah and it seemed like you know the big pop that we saw after the vaccine news to me personally it was kind of funny just to look at that uh, because it really just confirmed what a lot of the experts the scientists were saying about the vaccine I mean it's just confirming that we're on track for a vaccine that will be widely available mid 2021 um, there's nothing really new there it's just confirming what the experts were saying um, so I found that very a bit funny that the markets uh, reacted um, that you know that wildly on uh, on the announcement of the news and we've seen it now with the past few days I think it's gone back uh, level leveled off a little bit and those stocks that were seen uh, like the travel stocks and uh, hospitality uh, any of these stocks really impacted have come back down to uh, to earth a little bit not that they were really high anyways uh, after the news but yeah that's the way I saw that for I mean for Shopify it's like you said it's a great business um, you can probably buy it even if it looks overvalued and it'll most likely be a good investment if you're looking at 10 15 20 years down the line um it's one that i'm looking at and i feel like at some point i'll just pull the trigger and buy a share or two of it yeah i mean at this point at this point it just seems reasonable it is canada's largest company so it'd be a patriotic move on your part there Simon. just close our eyes and click buy and that's it <laughs> for for the country um i saw that uh tobias made some changes in their uh management structure today news came out that uh one of their main guys becoming president they're hiring some new execs and uh he's a great leader and i think he'll continue to be a great leader so speaking of canadian companies and interesting stories well health ticker well on the tsx well Health Technologies is a company that if I had a dollar for every time it's been requested we talk about it on the show, um, I could probably retire. And 
Simon and I finally had some time to do a little bit of a deep dive on it. So we're going to talk about this one. Simon, do you want to just give us some some fast facts about this biz? Uh, yeah, so Wellhelp Technology, it's still a pretty small company in terms of market cap. It's just over a billion dollars in market cap. Um, they've really increased their, their revenue in the past few years. Obviously, they're they're feeling the tailwinds of the COVID-19 pandemic. So their revenues have uh, year over year, they've more, I think they're up 50%, if not more compared to last year for the first three months. So that's always interesting to see. Um, however, if you start comparing them with Teladoc, for example, first of all, it's not even on the same playing field. Teladoc is a much bigger company uh, in terms of toll revenues, but also one of the first big discrepancies between the two and the, one of the first things I looked at, and we were talking about that, is the uh, the gross margin. So you're looking at uh, well-held technology with a gross margin in the uh, low to mid 30%. Um, when you have Teladoc with gross margins around 65%, so mid-60s in terms of margin. So that's an indicator that the businesses are very different. And when you start digging into the actual business themselves and you looked at well-held technology, you'll notice that most of their revenue is actually not from telemedicine. Most of their revenue is actually from clinical services. So they actually own clinics and they get revenue from that. Um, I know, Braden, you have the breakdown for those. So do you want to give us uh, an idea of like how many clinics they have compared to uh, what their total revenue is? Yeah, so this company owns 19 clinics in British Columbia, okay? And that makes up 80% of revenues. So this is concerning to me, right? Because I'm thinking of all, you know, investing becomes very difficult when you have decision paralysis. There's so many amazing companies out there. Um, And right now, the market is valuing well health like something that it's not. And the the upside potential uh can can be great. You know, it's it's one billion in market cap. Say they really execute on the digital portfolio, telemedicine really takes off like it has been. Uh they have a lot of competitors, let's not kid ourselves. But say that does happen in the realm of possibilities is a potential 10 bagger say say the digital portfolio grows at really really high rates like it is they keep making strategic acquisitions and it becomes a 10 billion in market cap then you know this this pans out as an as, as an exceptional investment from here but when companies start to get valued at multiples similar to other industries that they're currently not but looking to become, I get very skeptical. So when someone takes, when they look at EV companies like NIO or even Tesla, and they look at those companies and they they value them much differently, they value them like a cloud stock that has 90% gross margins and not a car stock, there's a disconnect in price and it becomes very dangerous if the company doesn't completely execute on their mission. And this is what I'm worried about with a company trading at 27 times sales that, you know, most of their revenue comes from 19 health clinics in British Columbia. 
there seems to be a disconnect there. The stock is up 380% this year. And so so let's 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 take a bigger picture here, Simon. Stocks move on a less than 6 month period almost purely on sentiment. And you know, you're going to get two quarters in there of financial results, but most of that's already been modeled out by Wall Street and analysts. So you're just comparing that to expectations at that point in terms of if the stock moves significantly and or one way or another based on pure financial results. But everything else is moved by sentiment in terms of what people think the real potential of this business is, and telemedicine is, in, is one of those ones that has definitely caught the hype train. Now, I back this hype train. You love Teladoc, ticker T-Doc. I don't own it. Kicking myself, probably should. Love the business. And you can see Teladoc, for instance, like you mentioned, their gross margins is truly a telemedicine software as a service play. And the gross margins on something like this, which primarily operates clinics, tells a much different story. So this 380% gain year-to-date from well is moved mostly by sentiment. They did, re- they did report earnings today, and, and this company's going very fast. I, I got to give them credit. 75% year-over-year uh, comp revenues. They accomplished three acquisitions, which is very impressive. Circle Medical, Doctor Care, Easy Allied, and today they finalized the, uh, or maybe Monday, they finalized the acquisition of Insig Corporation, which is telemedicine. So you can see where the business is going, what they're trying to achieve. And that warrants a very high multiple. But at this current price, it feels like it's being valued as something it's not. Where do you stand on this? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's that's a really good point, and I would tend to agree with that. If you're looking, they actually give a breakdown in their quarterly report that just came out today. And uh, if you look, uh, if you guys want to have a look at page nine, they're breaking down revenue by segment, and uh, that's where you see the total clinical services. So. It actually, it's less this year in terms of percentage that it was last year. So this year it's 80% uh, total clinical services and then 20% digital services. But digital services, um, there's ERM, so uh, it's electronic uh, medical record management uh, that they call or EMR. Um, So that's part of it as well. So it's not all telemedicine like uh, a teledoc, for example. Compared to last year, it was 94% clinical services and 6% uh, digital services. So yes, they're trying to move towards those digital services a bit more. You can definitely see that. Uh, One of the issues, again, is the gross margins. They're definitely not there. Um, I'm not sure exactly when they'll become profitable, whereas teledoc is... um, is actually cash flow positive and just looking at their financial statement recently i think they're probably going in to be around 75 million dollars uh, for 2020 in terms of uh, free cash flow for teledoc whereas uh, well-held technology they're losing uh, money from a net income per 
perspective, but they're also losing money uh, from a cash flow perspective. Having said that, their balance sheet is pretty solid. Uh, they have a lot of cash on hand, so it's not an issue. Uh, zero debt. Um, they do have some liabilities, but that is a good part of it. But on the other hand, if you look at the uh, total share outstanding, um, you can see that they're diluting quite a bit. So their total shares went from 97 million or so um, last year, the average outstanding shares in Q3 versus 134 million this year. So yes, uh, they seem to be financing those acquisitions through uh, issuing new shares with. It's fine for a growing company. It's not necessarily a red flag. But like Braden said, if you're valuing this company at such a high sales ratio, the same as a Teladoc, where a Teladoc is definitely the market leader in the U.S. and has a presence worldwide, um, that's a bit of a head scratcher, especially when well-held technology, and we were talking about that before we started recording, they're not even the market leaders in Canada. So we were looking at uh, some information and we found some articles, and it's kind of hard to, to know right now who the market leader is in Canada, but from what I gathered, it's uh, the two biggest players are Maple and uh, Dialogue Technology. So my employer has Dialogue Technology through uh, Canada Life, which was formerly uh, Great West Life. And Braden, I know you, uh, your employer has Maple, right? Yeah, I've used I've used Maple. It's seamless. It's great. Yeah, and same for me for Dialogue. I've used it uh, really good. Um, those are in companies that are interested. They're still private, but I feel if they do come public, they'd be some really interesting companies to look in terms of what their gross margins are, what their like their revenues are, so we can get a better idea how it compares to, to wealth, health, technology, and obviously the, the big player down south, which is uh, Teladoc. Yeah, and we got to think about their mission, right? So this is from their website. Wells' mission is to positively impact health company, health outcomes by leveraging technology to emp empower and support patients and doctors. Within British Columbia, Well owns 19 medical clinics. With a bunch of physicians, they go on and on. Um, they also provide software as a service. They're traded on the TSX, and their goal is to become the leader in Canada. Okay, great. That that's that's wonderful. It's a big enough total addressable market for them to become much bigger than they already are at one billion. But I'm looking for, especially in in a tech play like software, if I'm paying up for these really high multiples. I want two things. If I'm, you know, if I'm paying up 30 times sales for a company that's growing really fast, sure, no problem. I, I, I can, I can do that, but I need to see two things. If I'm going to do that, I need to see really high gross margins because it's a software play. And I also need to see scalability outside of these borders. And neither of those are ticked. Not neither of them. So that's concerning f for me. I hope this company does well. I hope they execute on their telemedicine digital strategy. I hope they tuck in all these acquisitions. There's probably tons of synergies if they integrate them correctly, like like tons, similar to what Teladoc did with Livongo. It, it, these acquisitions are truly strengthening their offerings. So that makes sense 
to me and, and they'll probably do quite well, but it's really hard for me to be, to be bullish on this company, uh, both at this price and given their, their potential. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And just a side note, uh, as you were talking, I kind of saw something that was interesting. So Loblaws, um, the grocer, actually invested $75 million for minority stake in, uh, in Maple, uh, the telemedicine mm, firm. And yeah. Dialogue, which is a Quebec-based company, actually has the backing of uh, La Caisse de Dépôt de Placement Québec. For those who are not familiar with that, it's like the... The, the Quebec investment arm, a bit like the Canada pension plan when they do invest. So you have these two what look like market leaders in Canada that are backed by pretty deep companies. So, I mean, I again, I don't fully know what the uh, the total market is um, in Canada for telemedicine and what percentage is owned by each. But when you have those two players that seem to be backed and seem to be very present just based on personal experiences too uh, throughout the country, um, I'm not sure how well, uh, and no pun intended, how well, well technologies will do in that space. Well done, and uh, I have no idea what you said on the Quebec part there, but but I enjoyed every second of it. Um, if you're looking for something in Canada that is part of this digitization of medicine, and it's a very exciting sector, there's other players out there that are public. You know, we mentioned that their big competitors seem to be private right now, um, have some big backing. But on the Stratosphere platform, when you go on the company search and you, t- you type in well, you can see all their financial statements, you can see everything. And there's also an industry comparison tool. And the next biggest in market cap is called CloudMD Software and Services, one that I have not dug into at all. It's $418 million market cap, but I was looking on their growth, and it also trades for a crazy multiple, but the growth is actually much higher, and the margins represent you know, a true cloud service and software company in this space. So another one potentially to look at, that's ticker DOC uh, on, on the TSX, D-O-C. Is the, there's other ideas out there. And then, of course, like, Teladoc's the leader, right? I mean, you're going to have to go Biden USD, which is fine. Go do that. Um but pay up for, for the companies that, that are truly quality and are, are industry leading. I'm a bit concerned with the price at well when most of the business is still in-person clinics in British Columbia. With all the amazing companies out there in the world, that does not scream my capital at this point. So that's that's just kind of where I sit. Yeah, yeah, and I, I would agree with that. And obviously, I'm not saying that Teladoc is any cheap. It's it's a rich valuation. Uh, it's not cheap by any stretch of the imagination right now. But at least at Teladoc, there is a path to profitability. The gross margins are there. There's, you know, you can see that they can continue growing probably for years, if not decades. Uh, well health, I really don't know to what extent, and I don't know how well they'll expand those gross margins. So that comes down to it for me. But um, we hadn't talked about this before starting, so I'll put you on the spot, Braden. So what would you yeah, say? Yeah. Um, we had a question in the forum recently or on uh, in the community on Stratosphere 2, um, which I wanted to ask you on the podcast. And 
how yeah. people should approach companies that are really high flyers, high risk. Some of them may not have any revenue. They may be still in the development phase. Um, if people still believe in that company, how would you say that they should approach, especially for position sizing? Yeah. Um, well, you gave me a nice little little hint there with yeah. your last few words. And that is the key, right? Uh, it, position sizing is going to be going to be critical with something that sounds like what you're hinting at is very super speculative. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking taking the odd gamble. Uh, it's Masters weekend here, by the way. I'm a big golf fan, you know, if you listen to this podcast. It's the Masters week, and I'm betting a little bit of money on the Masters. You know, you do that. You know, get scratch that itch. But when it comes to gambling in the stock market... If something super speculative, unproven, has high potential, that's great. That's fine. You can take a small piece. And the reason for that is if it pans out, that small piece is going to become a huge position in your portfolio, even if it was a very, very small sliver at the beginning. And if you let that run and don't trim it, it can it can generate some serious wealth for people who you know were early investors in some of these mega cap companies. It was very speculative at one point. That makes sense. And even if their position was so small into these meteoric rises of very successful companies, that small position was enough to be an absolute game changer for your portfolio and probably for your life. So. I think that's the key, right? Is don't don't stretch yourself too thin on on a company that's still unproven. And if you are venturing into that, I need you to know that business inside and out. Not someone told me it's going to pan out. Not have you seen the stock chart it's going through the roof. I need two reasons that are not either of those of why it's going to be successful in the future. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it was a good question, I thought, because, look, we like certain companies and people listening might like other companies. Um, I like some companies that are very, you know, there's they're high growth, but they're richly valued and there could be a, a pretty significant correction if something goes wrong and they're not growing as fast as they intended there could be a big correction in the price as well and you can have people and i'm thinking of like virgin galactic here that has like pretty much no revenue but a lot of people see that market being huge and life-changing and so on and maybe like everything pans out and it becomes a billion dollar like a, i mean a trillion dollar company in 10 15 20 years but Make sure you keep that position sizing small, like Braden said. As a rule, personally, I wouldn't go more than 0.5% for the super speculative stuff. Worst case scenario, you lose that money. Your portfolio is not too impacted. Best case, if you get a 10, 15, 20, 100 bagger, then you have a big winner on your hands anyways. So that's kind of, uh, that's the philosophy I have. That way it gives you that upside, but it doesn't, your downside is still limited if it doesn't pan out as you, you had thought. Yeah, and what, like, you can take a page out of an annual report from Google and just coin, like, a portion of your portfolio called Other Bets, like they do. You know, they have, like, the 
the core revenue streams from search and YouTube and cloud and all of their key cash flow generators. And then they just have like other bets listed as a segment. And they're always trying to innovate and do new things. You could potentially take a page out of their book and do that with a small piece of your portfolio. If you really think you have some insight, um, and I'm talking like real insight, not you know, someone gave you a hot stock tip on that business and, and them being much bigger than they currently are in the future with a management team that can actually execute because it wasn't so very long ago, a couple of weeks, uh, who knows in this time vortex of COVID-19, but Nicola was the hottest thing on, you know, retail investors' minds, the EV company. Uh, and their founder and CEO basically left town. And uh, it's it's a complete disaster, that one. And that's an example of a company that was very, very speculative. They reported $30,000 in revenue one quarter for their first dollar made. And guess what it was? It was a solar system put on the founder's roof listed as revenue. Like, that's really suspicious. <laughs> and anyone could see through that. But people get caught up in the hype train. And, and, and a lot of people made lots of money if they got out. And a lot of people lost a lot of money. <laughs> so be aware of that with your position sizing. And just like anything with any stock market investing... The famous Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett, they repeat on almost every investor call and annual report is if you can't see your stocks going down 50% without panicking and selling them, if they're truly great companies, then the stock market just isn't for you because drawdowns do happen. Wasn't that long ago, much happened. You know, this, this happens. So it comes down to yourself in terms of position sizing and being able to react react rationally. And that'll be the real game changer for you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like just one last thing to add with especially what's going on in the U.S. now with the transition from the Trump to the Biden administration. I mean, I think the only thing we can expect is the unexpected. And I think that if like that applies definitely to the stock market. So I think we'll see a lot of volatility in the past few in the next few months, whether it goes up or down. Um, so just be aware of that and uh, make sure you just remind yourself of owning good companies. So when you do see that 10, 15, 20% dip in your stock, like I saw with uh, Etsy, I think earlier this week, you don't panic, you kind of you have a long term focus and you like the company if anything you add more shares if uh if you really find the price attractive yeah exactly and and so there's a real world example for you for etsy and i finally bought 10 cent as i've been talking about a lot both on my twitter and on this podcast is finally joined simon on the, the 10 cent train and i bought a position the next day it went down seven percent uh, because the rotation out of tech, you know, all tech was down 7% was just middle of the pack. Impeccable and timing there, right? <laughs> in, yeah. And then, and then I'm like, Oh wow. You know, like you buy a stock goes down 7% the next day, but it's a lot easier to sleep at night when one, you own one, you know, the company inside and out. And two, 
you know that it's a fantastic business and that short-term volatility is not anything to sweat about. Today, they released earnings this morning, November 12th. And comp sales were up 29%. Earnings were up 80%. Gaming was up 45%. Music subs were up 49%. And that is true execution of growth and the, the, the business quality. And you just you just look at all the volatility in between that, and it's just complete noise. So when you focus on the core business and track things that matter, this becomes a whole lot easier. All right, guys, I think that does it. It's a good episode. It's a good chat, Simon. Yeah, I like this yeah it was pretty good. It was interesting. As always, GetStockMarket.com brings you to Stratosphere, the software platform where I got almost all of the data talked about on this podcast today. And you can go on there free, 14-day trial. No credit card required. Give it a shot. We will see you guys next week. As always, you can uh, you can shoot. Oh, we haven't talked about this, Simon. You can shoot voice clips, voice questions on the anchor link that we send out on their Twitter. So that's a that's a call to follow us on Twitter, CDN underscore investing, and there's a link that Simon throws out there for the for the anchor link, and you can go on there and actually record a voice message. And we could probably start working those into the episodes yeah. if you have questions. We should start working those in. That would be cool. Yeah, exactly. All right, make guys, sure, we'll see you guys. I was going to say, make sure yeah, yeah. that, uh, you know, you have your best podcast voice so we can just cut the clip in and uh, answer the question. <laughs> yeah, you better have an $800 microphone to record for the podcast. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Anything will work. We appreciate it, guys. We'll see you next week. The Canadian investor is not to be taken as investment advice. Braden or Simon may own securities mentioned on this podcast. Always make sure to do your own research and due diligence before making investment decisions.